Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Giles here. And knowing that we have a family audience and the purple people often include some very young people, just to say that today's episode does include some language that some people may find uncomfortable or offensive. Welcome to another episode of Something Rhymes with Purple. We're in Bristol, and I thought we were just doing this in a small studio. But in fact, we've come to one of the oldest, most beautiful, historic theatres in the whole of the British Isles. Yes. We are at the Bristol Old Vic. Yes. Isn't Tell that me, exciting? what does the Vic stand for? Is it Victoria? Yes. Yes. The old Victoria Theatre. Yeah. And here we are, and it's, it's fantastic. And the heritage is amazing. The theatre was opened in 1766. Uh, that's not the time. Uh, that's the year in which it was opened. And this audience have been waiting outside since then. <laughs> now, they've come in, and it's been refurbished. It looks beautiful. They've kept all the original interior, but they've made it more comfortable. Uh, they've certainly got air conditioning that really works, which is... Which, <laughs> and which one is we say in, here in the UK, it's a rainy Sunday afternoon, isn't it? It's the perfect time to come and enjoy a matinee. Can I say that's true? Because we have listeners. We're very lucky with the Purple Podcast. We have listeners literally around the globe. So if anybody does come to the UK, come to Bristol and visit this theatre because they do do tours backstage mm -hmm. and people can go and see the original, I think it's called Thunder Run, the machine. I know, I can't wait to see this. In olden days, in Victorian times, to make noises, like they would have metal sheets that would make mm -hmm. noise of, sort of lightning flashing. Yeah. And they would have this ball that goes down a metal chute and known as the Thunder Run. It was a different, yeah, thunder-making machine. Also, there is apparently a ghost. Uh, well, more several ghosts, but there is apparently, those of you um, up there, uh, there is a woman who sometimes passes up and down. So that gave me goosebumps. That might be why I'm so cold. A woman who, if you see her, would you stop her? Um, <laughs> yes. And see she can submit her trio, uh, her answer to the trio. Yeah. And Good. yes. So what are we going to talk about today on well, today's episode? We're actually going to talk about something very relevant to, uh, to this theatre and to many theatres. We're going to talk about the orchestra. And we are sitting in the orchestra pit, are we not? I think the original orchestra we're pit, sitting which in the place being raised up. Where the orchestra yeah. pit would have been. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So we're going to have a, a whirlwind tour, a woodwind tour of instruments, and, uh, yeah, the various things that you would expect in an orchestra, obviously. Am I suddenly right in thinking that almost the first time I came here, many years ago, in the 1950s, was to see a musical by Julian Slade and Dorothy Reynolds? Am I right in thinking that Salad Days began its life in Bristol and possibly at this theatre? Does anyone in the audience know? 
Am I right? Oh, there you are. You see, we've got an informed audience, and the more mature people are sitting towards the back, it seems. <laughs> because they need to be nearer the fire exit, because they don't want to be trampled by all the others trying to... Julian Slade and Dorothy Reynolds were at a wonderful show called Salad Days, yes. which was, for a while, in the 1950s, the longest-running musical in yes. theatre history, and it began its life here. Good Shakespeare reference as well. Of course. Yes. When I was green in judgment, in exactly. my salad days. Exactly. Antony and Cleopatra? Yes. Okay. Uh, here we are, we're going to talk about uh, the orchestra. Tell me, well, can you tell us about the word orchestra? Mm, well, that's from a Greek word meaning to dance. So we have the orchestra, we have instruments, um, and instrument is from the Latin for to equip, so you are equipped with an instrument. And this uh, is instruction or no? Yes, instruction is from the same idea. So it's all about equipping oneself with knowledge, information, and that kind of thing. And music, of course, is a tribute to the muses, the muses of classical mythology, the nine goddesses, which is where we get museums from as well, because museums were places that were dedicated to the, to the muses. Very good. So we've got music, we've got the orchestra. We have. In the orchestra pit. Well, let's go maybe around the orchestra before we get to the conductor. Strings. Violin. Strings. Yeah, so string is actually a relative of strong, which kind of makes sense. And all I think we'll cover some expressions later, but in early use, the string could be any thickness at all. Well, I suppose it still can be. And then, did you, have you ever played a musical instrument, I should ask? I played, uh, well, I played the cello. I learned the cello for some years. And unfortunately, Mr. Reed, who taught me the cello, he very much admired. Mr. Reed. Was I called, that was a good name, wasn't it? You yeah, thought he might have taught the clarinet, but no, yeah. he taught the cello. <laughs> yeah. And he, he admired my bowing, as people do. I'm doing wrist <laughs> movements here. Um, but I couldn't concentrate because Mr. Reed, this is in the 1950s, he had, or well, in the early 1960s, he had a, a toupee. And as he moved, it would move up and down his head. And when he really got to a crescendo, you know, we were boop, boop, boop. Uh, so disconcerting. Um, <laughs> so, yes, image. violin, viola, cello, double bass, I know them all. But okay, do they have good. interesting origins? Yes, they do, actually, I think, anyway. So the violin, that is quite nice, and the viola, and also the viol, because they're all different instruments. So they all go back to a Latin word, vitulari, meaning to celebrate a festival, and we think it was a nod to vitula, and she was the goddess of joy, a Roman goddess of joy. So that's quite lovely. So they're all related to that, so, because correctly, the cello is the violin cello. Exactly. And some purists still spell cello with a, I was going to say an apostrophe before yeah, yeah. the C. Yeah. Is so, that Because it's correct? a diminutive, isn't it? It's like a little, they, they say it's like a little, yeah, that is correct, um, little violin. And violoni was actually a form of double bass. So, yeah, that, that, it's a very, very big family that all go back, we think, to this Roman goddess. But if somebody is called viola, mm. which is different from viola, different pronunciation, mm. is the source of the name viola different? I don't think so. No, it's probably because it came in through a different language, I would assume. Because there's a flower called a violet. There is. And violet is sometimes a name as well. Yes. So you think of the flower of violet. That's a very good question. And I don't know about the violet. I'm going to go to the OED. So this is, um, for anyone who is new to the podcast, I don't know everything, despite what Giles says. And, um, and I do look up in the OED live. This is the most exciting the OED thing. Being Consulting Oxford a dictionary live. English dictionary where Susie Dent used to work a lifetime ago. Yeah. And what's so I'm just signing in. <laughs> just signing in. This password is a common word, which makes it easy to guess. You should change it immediately. Oh, I can't bear <laughs> I do not wish to learn another password. I've had enough. 
So yes. they are different, I think. So a violet is a little viola or viola. If you, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce the uh, the plant. Um, that simply goes back to a Latin word for a flower. So very simple. So simple. that's, I think, the girl's name, as in Viola, the character in Twelfth Night. Yes. That would be as in the flower. As in the flower. It's a name like a flower Daisy. that you are. Yes. Fine. Yes, and the other one goes back to the Roman goddess. The Roman goddess, and what was she the goddess of? Uh, joy, feasting, victory as well, actually. Joy, feasting, and victory. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Good. And a double bass is so-called? Yes, yeah, so the Italian um, basso means low. So a double bass means obviously extremely low. <laughs> um, I'm laughing at a joke that wasn't very funny. Um, <laughs> and, right, I've got my page back again. Yes, that's a double bass. And um, it was also, it was influenced by bass as we use it, B-A-S-E, as meaning extremely low. So Shakespeare uses bass for peasants or people of sort of very corrupt, low character. Excellent. Yeah. Take me to the woodwind section. I'll take you to the woodwind. Um, well, we'll start with flute, uh, which is beautiful. I mean, I have to say, Colin Murray asked me on Countdown the other day, what would be the top of my bucket list? And it is to come on stage and to play Gabriel's oboe, with the oboe, obviously, not the flute. And he said, that's fine, we can arrange that. And I said, no, I have to learn the oboe first. Um, but I have bought one because I just love the sound of the oboe. Um, Gabriel's oboe, what you is know, this? That, so that is um, a beautiful tune from The Mission, the film The Mission, if you know that. I think it was Morricone, was it? Yeah. yeah. Gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Anyway, in my, in my dreams. But flute. Flute also is, of course, yeah. the name of a character in Shakespeare. One of the rude mechanicals in Midsummer Night's Dream oh, is that. flute. Is it flute? Is he the joiner? Oh, I'd forgotten that. What is flute? Flute the bellows man. Of course, it's flute the because bellows man. Because it's all about blowing. Mm. There you are. Uh, so um, we think it goes back to um, the Latin flare, which gave us inflate, deflate, um, etc. So it's all about blowing into something, which would make sense. Um, it's a little bit slippery, that one, but we think that's where it goes from. What about your oboe? So my oboe, yes. So that is from the French, oh, meaning high, and bois, meaning wood. So, oh, as in H-A-U-T, Yes, so high-pitched woodwind, I think, is the idea there. And was it as... That's not particularly high-pitched. Hold on. I can see a word, hoot boys, H-A-U-T-B-O-Y-S. B-O-Y-S, okay. I can see this word. Yes. Do you think that's the origin... What does oh, that mean? I think it's a musical instrument, an oat boys. Oh, the same and thing. And I think this must be Absolutely. what an oboe was before it became an oboe. Ah, interesting. I mean, look, that's up because in French it would be B-O-I-S, wood, but I've not seen a high boy. So but one of the things that's interesting yeah, right. that I've learned through Susie is that orthography, spelling, mm. is really quite a recent thing of things being settled. So yeah. before about 1800, words can be spelled all sorts of ways. Yeah, well, before printing, really. It's so a little bit earlier, but printing was the thing that really standardised. So them. what is oat boys there? Exactly the same thing. You're absolutely right. Good. Oboe. So yeah. there we are. So that is an yeah. oboe. Mm -hmm. uh, clarinet. Oh, that's nice too. So that's what I used to play the clarinet at school and sadly had to give it up because my clarinet teacher told me that my hands weren't my fingers weren't quite wide enough I think I was still quite young so I gave it up but I loved it picked it up about five years ago thinking I'll just step straight back into this I could not produce a sound which made me very sad but it goes back to the latin clarus meaning clear which also gave us clarion a bell um, and that kind of thing do you know the name of the school and the teacher um, because I think it's possible to sue. <laughs> no, no, I think oh, her childhood was, was destroyed. But this, I mean, you wouldn't be allowed, that kind of abusive behaviour would not be allowed nowadays. 
Um, no, I love my hands, hands. Your beautiful hands. Well, I think maybe they just my fingers would not quite because it's quite a, you know big, big instrument to get to all the. No, okay. Um, well, I wish I'd kept it up, but it is a beautiful sound. And have we done all the wind? Bassoon. Oh, the bassoon again, low, basso, low. Basso, but what's the oon bit? Oh, that's a very good point. So we have so many different suffixes. I think, again, that might have operated as a bit of a diminutive, like a little bass thing, but I'm not sure, because the bassoon, again, is quite big. Well, it could be, we've talked about before, I know, we've talked about wine, the spittoon, which yes, is like what you, you gurgle your wine and you okay. spit it out. Yeah. So the, maybe it's the bassoon is the same idea. The it's a, it's a receptacle low sound. that receives the low sound. Yeah, that's is that possible? Quite possible. Good. Give me maybe some brass instruments. Ah, okay. So trumpet? Well, if you want. <laughs> yes. So the trumpet is actually related to... <laughs> We're just in, some of us are just in a silly mood I'm today. Okay. I'm still trying to I work know, it out. I know. Um, okay, so yes, I don't know. Was that, was that a vague reference to Breaking Wind? No. It, it could have been. It could have been. Uh, so, but... I love it, a vague reference to Breaking Wind. So, yes, actually, it is related to the trumping that is breaking wind. And trump has got so many different meanings in the dictionary. So when we think of Donald, you might think it could come from breaking wind and blowing hot air. Or you could think of trumpery finery. And as you know, trumperiness, one of my favourite finds from the OED that I always talk about, probably my favourite find from the last decade, trumperiness from the 18th century, is something that is extremely showy, but utterly worthless. (laughs) So there's that. But there's also trump as in trumps as in cards, or you've trumped me, as in, yes, you've got one over me. Uh, that's triumph. That's from triumph, so slightly different. But the trumpet, we think, is all about blowing. So it's another blowing word. It's another, it's another blowing word. Uh, yes. Trombone. Um, trombone. Well, that's from the Italian trombat, meaning a trumpet. So it's pretty much a very similar word, only it came by a different language. And, oh, those of us who remember, was it Flanders and Swan? did a marvellous French horn song. I had a French horn and I had to play it. Do you remember that? No. No, never mind. Sorry. Make Everybody I talk about is dead. In fact, it's, it's, <laughs> Susie and you lovely people are the only living people I know. I've still kept the landline. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, no. My mother never calls. She can't, you know. <laughs> Barry Cryer, Nicholas Parsons. I've, I've still got it sitting in the corner of the room, you know. Barry Cryer was, he just loved the phone. I like to think he just lived on the phone. He did he live on the phone. Always cool and wish all his friends a happy birthday. Oh. He always remembered birthdays, didn't he? And he was just, yeah, just such a delight. Great man. He was. Um, percussion, should we go on to percussion? But had you given me the horn? <laughs> oh. Um, well, that goes back to the Latin cornu, meaning same thing, horn. And it's because the early instruments were made of animal horn. Oh, so a cornet. A cornet. Not as an ice cream cornet, but a cornet is an instrument, isn't same it? Same idea. It's the same Absolutely idea. Same so idea. a corn is a version of horn? I mean, explain this. The cor- I think a so corn, corn in a field. Something oh, yeah, no, that's people. different. I think that's different. I love the way you get me off on all these little journeys. Well, what people should know is these are genuine conversations. We don't prepare this, as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> we meet once a week on Zoom, unfortunately, since the restraining order was imposed. <laughs> 
and uh, we just chat. We just chat. Though. So I've just <laughs> I've just looked at the dictionary entry for horn. As you can imagine, it's quite a long entry. But the first... <laughs> no need to, for your piece of string at this moment. Keep going. <laughs> so the first reference in Old English, well, from the 11th century, um, but probably in existence before. So an animal organ or appendage, it says, okay. And this is, listen to this dictionary definition, which you know what I was talking about. A non-deciduous excrescence, often curved and pointed, consisting of an epidermal sheath growing about a bony core on the head of certain mammals. I must clearly watch Steph's packed lunch more often. Uh, um, what is it? So, um, That's yes, it, is it? So that, yeah, so that goes back to the Celtic and the Latin, also cornu, as I say. But the corn that grows in our fields, I suspect, is entirely different, unless there is something about the crop that is horned. I'm not... one, of, one of those will give us cornucopia, won't it? Cornucopia is, um, yeah, there's nothing to do with... Mm. Now, the cornucopia often is illustrated as a horn of plenty. It is Where a horn of plenty. fruit and vegetables coming out of it. But nothing thing. to do with the grain. Nothing to do with the corn that's in our field, I think. So, yes, that is very different. Germanic, and it has lots of relatives in different languages, particularly Germanic languages, but not to do with the corn that is the horn. Okay. That's clear, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's stay in the orchestra pit for the moment and give okay. me some of the percussion instruments. Percussion, oh, yeah. give me percussion. So percussion is Latin again, and it is from a verb meaning to strike, to strike forcibly. Yeah, yeah the percussion instruments. So we have, um, well, the bass drum, we've already sorted that out, the low pitch. Timpani is quite interesting. I was thinking about the eardrum and whether the eardrum was so named, and I don't, do we have any doctors in the audience? Any doctors in the audience? <laughs> No. Okay. Well, um, I don't know More if the eardrum. than I thought. <laughs> I don't know if the eardrum is so named because it is shaped, it is hollow and, and so almost just kind of got a, a thin membrane on it, like a drum, or whether it's something well, to do with sound. It's strong uh, to do with the boom, 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 and it reverberating in your head. Surely that's well, what's going to drop. I don't know, because it has got a very thin membrane. And so the timp we talk about the timpani and a tympanum is a drum or similar instrument like a tambourine, but it's also the drum of the ear. And that has got a tympanic membrane. So I don't know whether it's actually to do with the, well, you know, the very thin film, which is also horn sometimes, isn't it, on drums? But I would have thought they're absolutely connected. Okay. Wouldn't yes. you have, I mean, just logic tells us that. No, but you're going for the sound bit and I'm going for the membrane. Because... Yes, but it's the hitting the membrane that oh, makes okay. the so sound you're putting together. Yeah, you're Surely. probably right. You're probably and drum, D-R-U-M, where does that come from? Drum is almost certainly Germanic, and that, I think, came in quite a long time ago. Because, as I always say, we are a Germanic language at heart, despite all the Latin. Yes, so it says origin unknown, but in German you have trommer, trommer, lots of similar things. So I think, ultimately, probably from our Germanic invaders. I met someone this week who was writing a novel and couldn't come up with the right title for the novel. So I said to them, I think I could have a title for you. I said, are there, in your novel, are there any drums? Mm. And he said, no, no, no drums. I said, are there any trumpets? He said, no, no trumpets. I said, well, there's your title. No drums, no trumpets. <laughs> Quite intriguing. Wouldn't you like to write, oh, no drums, no trumpets. This sounds interesting. <laughs> Marvellous. Anyway, that's by the by. That sounds a little bit like our conversation to come up with a name for this podcast, isn't it? Yes. It's like we, we did labour for ages what to call it and then I, how on earth did we, we just sort of said... Well, no, because I said something rhymes with purple 
And you said nothing rhymes. I with said nothing rhymes with purple. Nothing rhymes with purple, with silver, with orange. And you said, no, 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 something rhymes with purple. That's it. That's why it's called this. Yes. Purple rhymes with purple. Okay. <laughs> Have we gone? Oh, what about the snare drum? Yes. Do you know what a snare drum is? Yes. It's a drum which got metal strips across the top of yeah. it. Okay. Why is it called a snare? Uh, look, it look like a snare, perhaps? Exactly. Like it's the, because it's, it's kind of sort of strings that kind of vibrate against the bottom of the drum. So, and the idea is the snare, but it is sort of like, you know, threads or something that somebody might trip up over. My favourite instrument, and I'm quite good at this instrument, is the triangle. Oh, <laughs> Is that what you had to do at school? More difficult than you would believe, because there's not a lot of call for it. And if you miss your moment, it's a bit disappointing. <laughs> you know, you can be counting in three, four. Oh, oh dear. Uh, I imagine it's called a triangle simply because of its shape. Yes. But what about the xylophone? Because it's three angles. Uh, oh, the xylophone. So, did you ever play the xylophone? Did I ever? <laughs> My sooty puppet and I are playing it most oh, nights. I can imagine you with a, with a sooty puppet. Um, actually, I should just say, whenever I go to Giles' house, it is full of the most fantastic bric-a-brac. So you have teddy bears everywhere. You have garden gnomes. Um, how many gnomes do you have? Just maybe just quite a lot. Um... Yeah, but it is all, all gorgeous. So um, a xylophone. So I haven't shown you my original sweep, have I? <laughs> I've got no. a sooty that once belonged to Harry Corbett himself. He was the originator of sooty in 1948. He bought it at Blackpool. That's by the by. Keep going. Okay. Um, no, but the last time that I came to your house, also you showed me <laughs> your new Rip Van Winkle pajamas. <laughs> They were hanging. They had just come back from the dry cleaners. And it was an, an all-in-one. This was hanging downstairs in the sitting room. I did not get private viewing of these. And they're red, red and white stripes all the way down to the bottom, knitted with a hat and a pom-pom. And you'd literally just want to get it. Well, when we have the interval, I've got some pictures of Susie wearing this. (laughs) No, you haven't. uh, Which I can share with people. They're rather... I haven't put them up on social media because I wasn't sure you'd be totally comfortable. So I'm going to to let you see them and then I'll delete them if you don't want them. No, seriously. Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Xylophones. Mm, We were talking about xylophones. The origin of the xylophone. So the xylo is wood and the phone is sound. Oh, it's in phonics. As in phonics. Xylo means wood in what language? Greek. Yes, most ones. All right, let's get to the big keyboard instruments now. They're not necessarily the orchestra pit, but they are available. The pianoforte. The pianoforte, absolutely. We used to call it the pianoforte. Because piano means quiet, forte means loud. Yes. And the point is it covers the gamut. Exactly. But why is it it a keyboard instrument called the pianoforte? Uh, Because of the pedals. So you have the kind of... You could adjust the volume in a way that was actually quite new. So before, every respectable household had a harpsichord that was the sort of instrument of choice and you didn't really have much much of a say I think in the volume you couldn't really control it particularly well so the piano forte was particularly revolutionary because you could control things that you couldn't before organ well did you know that the word work in English and the word orgy are actually linked if you take them back far enough work and orgy are linked yes and well, of course, allergy, there are certain actually. careers. I mean, I was at the House of Commons for a while. Uh, <laughs> how are they linked? How are they linked? And allergy as well. Uh, so they are linked because they all go back to a Latin word meaning energy. 
so when we work, we are supposed to apply a certain amount of energy. When we have an orgy, I assume that you do apply a lot of energy. And if you have an allergy, it is your body's kind of energetic reaction to a certain response, or a reaction to a certain irritant. So... And an organ is part of this, the whole same idea. So it's, it's something that is working within your body, if it's a bodily organ. And the organ that you play, again, you are sort of, you know, working on. It gave, actually gave us pulling out all the stops, but I think we're going to talk about expressions later. Not, you're, still, you're still thinking about the orgy there, aren't you? No, I'm not. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Let's play my game. I'm not sure this is going to raise the tone at all, actually. Um, the idea is, every week, Susie chooses three words which have a real definition. But when we do these live podcasts, we invite the audience to come up with their own definitions. And then we select the one that we think is the best, and they get us something rhymes with purple T-shirt. Indeed. So the first one is pinguescent. 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 And it's spelled pinguescent. Uh, which explains the first one from Tansy, who I met. I love the one. Tansy, Tansy. we love meeting Tansy. Um, Tansy says that a pinguescent is an iridescent penguin that has a strong whiff of cheese scones about themselves. <laughs> As in a pingu scent. I love pingu. Pingu is just, it was just brilliant. Marion says it's delivering superb shots when playing table tennis. Pinguescent, very good. And Carrie from Bristol says it describes somebody whose voice has the tonal qualities of a microwave. Ping. Now, <laughs> like, that's just good. And I think I have now finally dispelled the myth that the Welsh for a microwave is poppity ping. Um, it's just lovely, and apparently some people do call it that, but it's not the true Welsh word. Is you've seen Mikrodon, my, I think. You've seen my microwave, haven't you? No. <laughs> Okay. Oh, dear. Right. So, do you remember those? I remember them, okay. yes, and I know which one is one okay. of those three. Should we keep going? Keep going. Um, quercine. So, this is Q-U-E-R-C-I-N-E. Do you know this Do you going to give us the, def- the real definition of that one? Quercine. Uh, forgive me. Yeah. Did you give us the de- real definition of the first oh, sorry, one? Oh, yeah, that's very important. I didn't. So, we uh, had those so, three amusing definitions. Thank this you. is the real definition of the word. It means becoming fat. Oh. Quercine. Yes, just taking on a bit of fat. Yeah. Uh, so, queer sign, queer scene. This is from Peter from Monmouthshire. Queer sign or queer scene is a place to be to find a gay friend. That's very good. Sean Cahill from Due West One Mile. 
says that it is medicine snuck in a quiche. And Ashley from Bristol says that it is a type of wood commonly used to fix squeaky stage boards. Oh, I love that. Um, Queer science. It's very inventive here. Sometimes I ruin it with the pronunciation because, of course, people have only seen this written down and interpret it in different ways. It actually means, and I love the idea that there is a word that exists to describe this. It means relating to oak trees. Lovely. I really like that one. Right, my third word, and I knew this would invite a little bit of fun, epidictic. Who? Epidictic. Epidictic. Good luck. (laughs) Okay, so Sally Weeks says, it's watching Countdown from the first episode, first ever episode, epidictic. Well, I love the fact that some people have watched Countdown from the very first episode, so that's why... She's been brought by her carers. But also, I think Dick, sounding for dictionary. Very good, very clever. I like that. So Shirley uh, from Cleveland says, something a male nudist suffers from after a walk in the woods. Oh, Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's very good. (laughs) And John Pinkney says, it is skin found on custard. (laughs) Which is never good. Um, So um, it actually means, if something is epidictic, it displays the skill of the speaker. So you, Giles, might deliberately choose a speech that suits your delivery perfectly and that is epidictic because it's, yeah. So I think, actually, these definitions are far better. So do you need a reminder? No, I don't need a reminder. I think it's a close-run thing between the microwave, which was, remind us of that definition. Yes, so the microwave uh, was, this is for pinguescent, carry, describe somebody whose voice has the tonal qualities of a microwave. Quite clever. Yeah, quite clever. And then I'm afraid the epidictic that was (laughs) involved... A naturist, a, major, a male Shirley. naturist. Yes. yes, read it again. Something a male nudist suffers from after a walk in the woods, an epidictic. I think it's so clever, even though it's saucy, I think it deserves the T-shirt. Yes, well done. This is our last show for a while. This so, is our last show for yeah. a while. We, we have so... Well, I've got to read my poem, but then we'll go. Yes, of course. The moment I've read my... And it's a short poem today. Okay. Because I'm going to read a haiku to you. Lovely. What is the origin of haiku? It's a... Yeah. Is it a I, Japanese I, form of poetry? It is Japanese, and that's all the dictionary will tell me, I'm pretty sure. But leave it with me, and I'll tell you. You read your poem. Yes. And I will. Somebody sent me this. Andrew Green Man. That's rather a good name. I think... Well, I think his name was Andrew Mann, but he put the green in to make it sound rather good. Anyway, Andrew Green Mann sent me a lovely book of, called When Nature Speaks to Us, and it's got lovely haikus in it. Uh, and you know haiku is it's basically, I think, three lines. Yeah. Can you remind me what the form is? It's okay. a certain number of beats in each line, and it usually is, has to pertain to nature. And I like this one. Thin grass, whispering as the wind cries for the sun. Come back to me, please. I like that one. Do one more. The tide will not stop ever rolling into shore. The ocean's blue rhythms. They don't always make sense. (laughs) I just do two more. They don't always make sense, but this one is rather lovely. The cool breeze kisses the fields with the lightest touch. Poetry in motion. This one is more confusing. (laughs) Raindrops upon glass racing each other downwards. 
dildo refrigerator. <laughs> My apologies to Andrew Greenman. I made the last one up. It comes from the Japanese haikai no ku, meaning light verse. Lovely. Yes. That was light indeed. Well, this has been another episode of Something Rhymes with Purple, and uh, it's the last of our live shows for the time being. We thank all the purple people who've turned up, and even strangers who come in hoping to see a fine production of Twelfth Night by William Shakespeare, <laughs> and they've seen us instead. But we hope you've enjoyed it, and we've enjoyed it very much. I ought to add that Something Rhymes with Purple is a Sony Music Entertainment production, isn't it? This it was produced by Ania Dio alongside Sam Hodges and Andrew Quick from Tilted. Additional production from Hannah Newton, Chris Skinner, uh, Jen Mystery, and... Well, is this our swan song to Gully? Because we might actually move on, do you think? Well, I don't know what's going to happen. I know what I'm going to say in a moment. After we've thanked... Tell me who we're going to like. I think... Well, the beardy weirdy. The yeah. beardy weirdy. Somebody called Gully. Yes. But we're going to end with our two favourite Bristolian words, aren't we? Cheers, Cheers drive. drive. Thank you. Thank you very much.